0: Hello, and welcome to episode four of Professional Balance, a bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. On this episode, we will discuss how to balance value with market factors when setting price for products or services. Pricing strategy is tricky and can be a real boost or drag on a business, depending on your success balancing all of the aspects of the process. This long-form audio-only podcast will be posted the last Monday of each month as an opportunity to dive deep into the issues that challenge all entrepreneurs, business owners, career builders, and decision makers, how to balance what seems to be contradictory viewpoints in business and personal life. More than just work-life balance, we examine a variety of this or that scenarios like we're going to do today, talking about setting a price. Let's get started. So, step one in setting your price is understanding the cost to produce your product or service versus market factors so let's let's break down each of these words and definitions. Of course, cost is the hard cost of goods or labor and all of the associated cost in order to produce your product or be able to provide your service there's a lot of direct costs such as raw materials rent on your facility a payroll for your staff etc and then there's a lot of external or extra costs cost such as insurance and taxes and peripherals around doing your business something as simple as having enough supplies in the office and coffee for the coffee machine to keep your employees motivated, etc. So defining all the cost, everyone wants to start at the simplest place. And it's a great place to start the simplest version of raw materials, the machinery needed, the energy needed, the, the manpower needed to do so, creating a cost, then adding a profit margin, to get a actual retail value for a product or service. That's a simple version of it. And don't skip the second part about adding profit. Profitability is essential to the process. We'll discuss that later on. So the first thing you need to balance is your cost plus profit, how much that profit margin could be and should be when you are competing for sales. Balancing your price, because of cost and profit margin, with your competition, with what else is in the market, what other options your consumer has in front of them. Obviously, it's very easy to price yourself out of competition if your price is too high. You actually can also eliminate some opportunities if your price is too low or as simply seems as not sustainable. The audience n- understands what the median price of a product or a service is. There's got to be a ballpark they're looking for, and there's a common conception that most people end up in the middle of that range sometimes at the higher end of that range some people will refuse to never to pay the absolute highest price especially for a service or the lowest price because too high means that that person is not being realistic or that company is not set up realistically and they're simply trying to be price gouging to a, to a degree and then the lowest pr- provider is simply trying to cut the most corners b- undercut the competition and not provide you something of value but actually provide you something where they have only one single advantage being price typically means the quality And all of the follow-through that comes with that product or service is going to be at the lowest possible denominator because that's how you get to the lowest price. Now, you heard the word value, and I said it in the open, and I said it here again. We'll say that many times going forward as well. Value is the key to being fair in business. Value is providing someone a product or service of value, something that they want, they need, and that they think is worth what it is that you're asking for it in exchange for the actual product or service itself. That is what value means. So if you can't create value for people, you're simply selling them on an idea or a concept that is unnecessary or unneeded. There are things like this in the world. Luxury items essentially fill in that role of not being a value outside of the perceived value that comes with them. So paying up to million or two million dollars for something like a sports car or a piece of technology or a watch or a piece of fashion is not providing any extra ability for transportation, any extra ability in communication, any extra ability in providing you warmth or comfort in the clothing that you're wearing, but having other people know how much you spent, the perceived value of expressing your your success or your ability to pay that much is something that comes along with something that is priced in a different way than something that is a product or service because it is wanted or needed. That's the difference between value and perceived value. We'll get a little bit deeper to that in the future. But you have to make sure that when you're trying to compete in a market, when you're trying to set your price so that you are competitive that your value offer or your perceived value aligns with that price structure. Too high and you will turn people off too low. You'll turn people off. It needs to be realistic. It needs to be driven by market factors and by some realism going back to the actual cost of production plus a profit margin. Now, most people still understand there's profit to be had and they don't mind profit to a point. And one of our last points when we get through the conversation today will be how much profit is enough profit. But for now, we understand it's cost plus profit. So the second item to consider is, are you driving the price-setting process or is the market driving this process? The first thing you have to do is, of course, figure out where to start. Where is a number that you can start at that you can move up from or down from or stick with when it comes to actual cost plus profitability, that can compete in the market. And the market will tell you that. The market will tell you what a range is for your product or service. A little bit of due diligence, and a little bit of research on your part can tell you where that number should start. But the question is, will your final number be driven by staying within that range or staying within the market, or will it be driven by something else that you then need to explain or create a position for in the market. The position of your brand can be related to your pricing. If your brand is is positioned as the highest value or offering something that is not available from your competitors, then you have the opportunity to be on the higher end of the spectrum of the pricing range that you compete within. The same goes true if your product is positioned as the low-cost provider if it is a value full offering if it's for lower price with a lesser quality a lesser technology a lesser customer service factor which is perfectly fine acceptable and lots of people do business that way but you're if that's the case, your brand needs to be positioned that way. So your pricing strategy and your positioning of your brand has to be collaborative. They go hand in hand. If they're counter to each other, it's confusing to your consumer. They won't understand the value of your brand, and they won't make a purchase. So there, are you going to stick with the existing parameters of the what the market will bear according to who else is already in the market and the standards that they've set by simply being in the market? Or are you going to disrupt the market? And it's a buzzword, of course, and everyone likes to talk about disruption. But you have to actually bring something of additional value if you're going to disrupt the current existing parameters of a market. So the idea of being a disruptor is a sexy idea. A lot of people talk about it, and a lot of people are actually not being honest with themselves about the factors that they think are disruptive are just simply not that disruptive or not that new or not that unique that other people are doing it too. And here's a real key for you. Understand this. If you're ever going to position yourself as a product or service as a disruptor, it has to be unique to what you do. It can't be something that people are already doing. It can't simply be because we're better or we plan to do it better, or we just essentially are going to work harder or be better at it because all of your competitors are thinking the exact same thing. And even if that were the case that you actually simply were outworking the competition, they could make that adjustment and do the same thing at any point. So you're not actually disrupting. You're just being cocky or over-evaluating the situation. So if you're going to be a disruptor, You can get outside the current market values of price parameter. If you're not being a disruptor, and let's be honest, most of you aren't. That's not you. It's just the, the fact that there are a lot of things that exist in the world already. And so offering something brand new is very unique. That's why it's a big deal when someone actually does disrupt an industry. You have the opportunity to create value plus perceived value if you're a disruptor, and you can have a higher or a different pricing structure i like the idea of going to a different pricing structure so if all of your competitors are within a price range of x and y for each unit or some other measurable value of your product or service change that parameter measure yourself differently give them a different value to look at whether it's a subscription model bulk pricing, etc. It might end up being the same price per unit, if you will, of your product or service. But if you explain it in a different way, you give it to them a different way, or you create a different parameter, then you have the opportunity to provide something new, not necessarily disruptive just something different, being different differentiation is a big key. So your pricing structure could be part of your differentiation, or your disruption if you're truly being different. So earlier, we mentioned value. Value versus perceived value. Value being giving an actual product or service that fills a role in someone's life, career, et cetera. It's uh, something they can eat, something they can consume, something they can use, something they can utilize, something they can learn from, something that makes other things better, et cetera, are things that have value. People understand the easiest parameter is if I can eat it, if I can put it on myself, or if I can use it to get to work, do my work better, or provide safety for my family, all of those basic ideas of being a human being, that's always going to be something of value, where, of course, value added or perceived value is the luxury item that creates a, a opportunity for someone to see you in a different light, think of you differently, and maybe put you into a different parameter as to how other people perceived you. That's value added, or it's value perceived, sorry, my bad, value perceived. Value added, though... Here's another opportunity for you to change the scenario, not simply have to be focused on price, but the price plus what you're actually offering. Is it just the product itself? Is there additional support? Is there additional information? Are you changing the way that you are delivering it to them? A lot of things right now, of course, have free shipping or low-cost shipping, or you can pay extra for expedited shipping overnight, et cetera. These are ways that you can value add or continue the price conversation in a different way than traditional, thus taking some advantages away from your competitors or creating advantages for yourself. So there's value, perceived value, and value added. All of these things need to be balanced out because, again, even if per se, if something is value added, the failure people often think of is calling something value added when it simply is an expected basic. So and everyone expects the product to work product or service to work as advertised. And as explained, that is not value added if it works well. Customer service is also an expectation. So simply providing customer service, not exceptional customer service, but a basic level of customer service is not value added. And if you're going to hang your value added hat on customer service, it needs to be exceptional It needs to be something that creates actual loyalty and differentiation. Of you and your product, your service, your brand in the market versus your competitors. So, don't simply say again because we do it better. It's it's a value added. Actually, give more. Now, there's a lot of great value adds that don't cost you anything at all, or cost you very minimally. I think information is one of them. How to use the product or service, how to benefit from it, how to utilize it as you do things in your life, in your career, etc. Alternative uses and ways that your product or service goes into combinations with other things that could create additional value for other people. These are value-added information that you could provide to people. Obviously, delivery, convenience, timing, speed, uh, the ease of doing business with you are also value-added. They're just a little bit harder to quantize and much harder to be unique with because the majority of your competitors are going to be doing the same thing. There are only really a few ways to deliver a product or service. They've expanded over the last few years because of technology, but at the end of the day, outside of you building your own drones and delivering via drone or building a teleporter that doesn't exist today, your delivery process is probably going to be relatively similar to your competitors. So your value adds have to be above and beyond, and typically that is by thinking creatively and adding information, support, and other aspects of utilizing the product, not just purchasing the product. So balance what the price is with value, the price and value perceived, and value added, and then be realistic on what a real value add is. Also, value perception. It's very easy for established brands to have a perception of value. If I were to say brand names like Mercedes, Rolex, Apple, you automatically picture them being the top of their market and being perceived as having higher value because of what they bring to the table. Same thing with high-end fashion brands versus uh, your average run-of-the- run-of-the-mill run of daily wearables. These are things that have value added. It's very easy for established brands to do this. It's very hard for new brands to do this or to change a lower v- value to a value perceived because you have built up a reputation. It's very hard to do. It's possible, but it's very hard to do. So that makes you consider your early and your entry-level planning of getting into the market versus your long-term planning for your brand. Too many brands come into the market handicapped by being new and often have the wrong pricing structure that either doesn't get them into the market the way they need and, and the company ultimately fails or locks them into a price position And a perception of their brand that they can't shake later when they need to get in from out of initial launch and into profitability mode. So as you consider what your profit should be on your price point, as you enter the market, or as you add product or services to an existing brand, understand the conversation balance needs to be, what can we do now? How do we start? Do we start low or do we start high? We make compromise, et cetera. Is it value, value perceived, or value add? And how will we manage that process as we move forward if it's barely successful, if it's highly successful, if it's completely not successful? How will we manage the process in order to ultimately land in a pricing position where we need to be, not simply where we want to be, or where we need to be at the beginning, but once we're established? Established brands have the opportunity to raise their prices because of value perception, but it takes a long time. And sometimes brands never get out of the box they originally create for themselves, which is being a low cost provider. I think Walmart is a great example of this. Walmart, obviously, is a big business that makes a lot of money. They're very successful, but at the end of the day, their products are low cost mostly, based more on volume. And they are a successful organization, but they're still perceived as a low-cost brand. No one is talking about the high fashion value of Walmart. They're looking at the price and availability, which is how they started the brand, how they exist with the brand, and how they stay with the brand. They can often try offshoots of their brand in order to create value perception. But at the end of the day, that brand is going to stay the way it is. So as you start your brand, your product, your service into the market when you're understanding your pricing as you enter the market. If you set yourself too low, you can remain there for a long time or potentially forever. If you set yourself too high, you have the potential to price yourself out of the market before you even get started. The balance to this, if you need to have a higher price because you have a higher cost because of a lower production uh, quantity, purchasing power, et cetera, a higher price isn't necessarily going to price you out of the market if you will add the value-added elements. If you will do promotions or instances where you change the parameters, change the price, change the offering in a way that, again, sets yourself apart from the competition It sets yourself apart from what's considered normal or routine and can catch the imagination, attention, and potentially conversion of a potential customer or client by doing promotions, by offering value-add, or by doing something different, all the way up to the point of being disruptive within the market. You have to balance what your pricing strategy is versus what your actual offer is, the product itself or a product with promotions or a product that's value-added. These are all the considerations you need to balance when trying to decide your price point as you enter the market, how you will manage it throughout the market, and how you can ultimately end up positioning your brand versus the competition in the market now and in the market in the future. One of the ways you do this, of course, is you have to spend money to make money. You've heard that plenty of times in plenty of ways, but I see people on the regular spending their money in the wrong ways. Spending money to make money only works when you spend money to make money in the right ways. Spend money that lower your cost so that your pricing makes more sense or makes the ease of operations better so that ultimately that efficiency or attraction of audience to your product are the two ways that you create profitability without changing the price. So again, efficiency is one way to create less cost-effective way of producing something at the same price point for the consumer, and then driving audience, of course, the more consumers are buying at the price point, at the efficiency set, still creates, because you have a profit margin, the ability for you to be even more profitable, possibly even reducing your profit margin, which will affect your end price because your volume is up. The, those are the two ways you do it. You spend less money doing it, or you make more money doing it because of volume. So back to the idea of spending money to make money, how does that work? Well, if you spend money to create efficiency, like we just discussed, or to drive additional sales on top of your set cost. And set costs are things that don't change, like your rent and your typical payroll. You know, you might have 10 people on the payroll or 100 people or 1000 people. It's not going to vary too much from one week to the next because you have a sales spike or you become seasonal. But if it does, the sales should be driving it and so those costs are relative your rent is going to stay the same your insurance is going to be very typical your electricity even outside of peak production seasons if you're in manufacturing or something of that nature is going to be predictable these are set costs so every sales cycle the first amount of income coming in is going to t- goes directly to those those set costs then your variable costs such as your marketing costs uh, additional promotional items, all kinds of things that support the sales cycle itself, discounts you might offer for for promotions, etc. All those things are variable and so that comes second. Once you establish your established cost, your variable cost, everything on top of that is profit or profitability. In efficiency or driving additional sales, additional sales without increasing those set costs creates profitability. So how do you spend money in the right way? making money, spend money to make money, spend your money in the right way, spend your money on marketing and i 'm not talking directly about advertising i 'm talking about marketing the work before the work, actual planning, strategy, positioning, understanding your audience, dialing in your message and being very specific and very targeted before you do the advertising and public relations that takes that message out to the world. Other ways that you should spend money to make money is on training of your staff, creating efficiency within an organization, because again we said one of the two ways you create additional profitability is efficiency. Training has the opportunity to create that efficiency, typically with a high return on investment. Offering sales tools, however your product or service is sold, however that conversion process happens, any tools that make that easier or more efficient, more effective, again, goes to lowering the overall cost, increasing, creating profitability. Customer service as well, whether it's training, tools, or simply adding to your customer service offering, it creates opportunity for repeat business. Repeat business is the most profitable because you've done the most amount of work to attract them the first time, the second time, they're already familiar with their brand, you have less marketing effort into them. And you can even be creating predictable business if you have good to better to best customer service. So invest in your customer service, training, staff, and training and tools. The technology that you use, of course, there's technology that's faster, that's more efficient, that cr- crashes less, less, eliminates mistakes. It has a higher Q&A uh, value. All of these things, a higher quality value, all of those things can come from technology. If you spend your technology in the right way, right. your technology spend in the right way. And then sometimes just the basic essentials of running business, office supplies, having a quality CPA, bookkeeper, Having a good lawyer and other professional services that are essential to business, you need to spend your money in places like that so that you don't end up spending additional money on silly things like fines and penalties from the IRS, simple uh, mistakes that could be avoided if you had a, a legal advisor and other professionals that can guide you into creating efficiency within your business and avoiding costly mistakes. And just the essentials of running your business as well. You can't have, have put in orders if you don't have order forms. You can't have great customer service if you don't have phones and ink pens and notepads and office chairs that are comfortable and keep your, your staff happy so that they are nice to the people that they're talking to in their customer service role, et cetera. So the basics of an office and the professional services that go along with it are great ways to spend your money that you, so you can make money in the future. Now, when you talk about spending money to make money, do you have to spend a lot of money or do you have to spend it on things that are expensive? The answer to both of those things is no. It's not about spending a lot of money or buying or paying for things that are expensive. It's about to, doing the things that are most effective to creating efficiency or driving additional sales. Those are the things you should be focused on. Absolutely in no way should you be focused on luxury outside of providing a a parameter of value where your customer service and sales employees the people producing the product selling the product providing customer service need to be well equipped comfortable happy motivated and informed but they don't need to be in a lap of luxury neither does a ceo neither do the peripherals around the business need to be the best the most expensive they need to be effective and efficient so Spend your money effectively, efficiency. It can be small amounts or big amounts, as long as it has a great return on investment, a good ROI will pay for itself. So as you're balancing all these factors, all this decision-making, all of these ideas, you're still asking yourself that ultimate question, which is, of course, am I and everyone involved in the organization getting paid what we're worth? And that's a hard one to do sometimes because at the end of the day, the end consumer doesn't really care what your worth is. They care that they get a product or service at a value or perceived value or value add that fits their lifestyle, fits their budget, fits their needs and wants, and can complete the transaction. That's all they care about. They don't care, and not in a bad way. They're not awful human beings. They just simply don't have time to work through the whole process of, was it good for you as well? So you are responsible for making sure that you're getting paid and the people involved with you and the people that are subcontractors and do business with you and are part of your supply chain, et cetera, that everyone is getting paid their worth. It's a harder conversation. It's definitely too deep for this podcast today, but needing to have that idea in the back of your head as you try to balance how you you set yourself in the market, how you set your price and how your brand is perceived is by ultimately being able to pay the people in the value chain their worth. If you can't do that, then your product or business is probably going to be in trouble and is not going to exist for a long time. But if you can find out how to do that, if you can understand this process and work to that, then you have an opportunity to be successful. There's an old saying that you don't pay someone for the hour it takes for them to solve your problem, but you pay for them for the years of experience to know how to solve your problem. So don't get too focused on price per unit or price per hour or how much I get paid per, but do be focused on the worth and value of yourself and the people associated and that you're also providing value to the consumer at the same time. So that perceived value versus what the competition is offering will either create an opportunity for you to be successful or create a hurdle for you to get over that you may not make. So try to gain what you can, what you're worth, without, of course, being too greedy and too aggressive and trying to spend your money in all the wrong ways, but by spending your money in the right way. But as you begin to create sales opportunities, conversion with profitability, your profitability comes by offering value. That's where we started. Point 1A of our conversation today was profitability by offering value. But too many people often now that they're on the successful side of the conversation, that the pricing structure is working and they are being profitable, have success guilt. And I can tell you from experience, at first it feels wrong but the more you do it if you are providing value you understand that there's nothing to be guilty about now if you're simply making profitability on people because they're gullible because you are not offering what you profess to be doing or other things that aren't value focused for the consumer for the end user for the customer for the client then that's something you should feel guilty about But if they are getting something they feel is a great value, they're happy to make the purchase, happy to to buy the product or service, happy to be part of the conversion process, happy to repeat their business, happy to tell other people about it as well, and you're able to cover your cost and have profitability so that that profitability can sustain you in times when you are less profitable, that's right, that's the whole role of profitability, then there's no reason to feel guilty about success. So sidebar real quick about profitability. Too many people demonize profitability these days. It's absolutely essential. When 2020 came along, COVID-19 shut our businesses down. There are a lot of businesses who didn't stay open during the shutdown. They weren't able to come back open because they didn't have enough money in the bank to have their sales go away or be greatly diminished and move forward because they didn't have enough in savings. The savings comes from profitability. You have to be profitable when times are great so that you can survive when times are bad. Sometimes it's COVID-19 shutdown. Sometimes it's seasonal. Sometimes it's a new competitor in your market. Sometimes there are other factors outside your control that will slow or stop your sales process and limit your ability to, to make money. And cover your cost. That's when profitability comes in. That's when the savings, that's when the additional income that you've had previously will come forward to fill that gap until you can get back into a positive profit process. Profitability keeps businesses open when times are slow, when they're affected by things out of their control, or simply having to adjust to the market factors. Profitability keeps business open. Profitability keeps people employed because businesses stayed open. Profitability is not a bad thing. But going back to the idea of feeling success guilt, too much profitability, and this is a weird conversation, probably a whole other podcast, because you are in business to be successful. So the idea of being too successful and feeling guilty about it seems like an oxymoron, seems like definitely something that needs to be balanced in your life for sure. But if you are providing something that your consumer is super happy to buy from you or pay for your service, that they see the absolute value in it from start to finish, and they're, they're willing to do it at the profitability margin, and you can produce enough of it and produce it at a quality level continuous that keeps repeatable business, then you're, there's no such thing as too much profit. If your focus is to... Make as much money as possible and not provide that value, or only provide the value temporarily and then bait and switch it at a future point, or just create as much profitability as possible until your audience figures out it does not valuable at the level that you explained it to them. That is something that you can be guilty about, but simply being profitable is nothing to be guilty about. And there's no sort of cap on how profitable you can be and should be if you are providing a product or service that the public values and is happy to have transactions with you. Obviously, if you're the only person selling water in the desert where people are dying from dehydration, And you're making a huge profit margin because you have the market cornered. That's something you can feel guilty about. But if you created efficiencies in your organization, if you have created a value offering, if you have value add or perceived value that people are willing to pay for and they're happy about it, it creates profitability for you. There's nothing for you to feel bad about. Now, at the same time, what you can do about it is how you spend that money. You can give back. You could share that money with your employees. You can share that money within the process of who you do business with, your sub-vendors, your contractors, et cetera. You can share that money in your community. There are plenty of ways you can give back and create value for other people by taking some of your profitability and using it in different ways. Now, another point of balance here on giving back and being involved in your community and Sharing some of your wealth that comes from being profitable, that comes from being successful, that comes from being efficient and effective at what you do, having the right pricing structure, et cetera. The balance here, though, is it is okay to also create additional value for your company, whether it's good public relations, good media, or a good will towards your brand by letting people know and understand that you do give back, that you provide. Profit sharing to your employees, that you that you provide support in the community as well. Again, depending on your motivation. We said earlier you should feel pretty crummy about being very profitable when you have the market cornered and people don't have any other opportunity to only have the value you provide, no other value. It's the same thing with giving back and providing for others. It's okay that people understand you do this. If you do it with the right motivations, if you give back, if you support charity, if you give bonuses to your employees only to get the PR value, to get your picture in a magazine, to get a mention online about how generous you are, that motivation is the problem. But if you focus on the other people, not you, not your brand, but focus on your employees, focus on the community partners. And don't have a call to action. Have no, look at our brand. It's great. You should do business with us. But instead, say, look at our employees. Look at our community partners. Look at the people in and around us that are doing things that of, again, value to the community. And don't talk about your product or service. Don't have a call to action. Don't have a conversion process involved. Then again, it's something that you should feel good about and not bad about, It's beneficial to your brand, but that's not the motivation to do it. And you can ruin that motivation to your brand, that goodwill that you're creating, if you are transactional in it. So providing for your employees, giving back in your community, sharing the wealth that you create with profitability needs to be balanced with the right motivation the focus on others and not you and your brand and not conversional. If you do those things, then you can feel good about it. You can continue to do it. It continued to create value for your brand, which then continues to keep those people employed. That keeps you in the local community, keeps you an economic indicator, keeps you an economic value generator, and continues to allow you to give back the profitability that you see again in the future so that as a successful propagation of that success. Don't feel bad about it if you're doing it for the right reasons and doing it the right way. Which takes us right back to the beginning, creating and delivering real value or perceived value at a price point that your consumers are happy to pay, whether it's a product or a service. It's often easier to price a product because people understand materials and set values. Sometimes, Prof, price setting for service, sorry, hung up there. Price setting for service can be a little bit harder for the perceived value because it's your time, your intellectual property, your experience. Going back to the idea of it's not paying me per hour to achieve, but the um, years it took me to understand how to solve your problem. Those sometimes are a little bit harder to explain, a little bit harder for people to understand the value of versus products, which often have materials that have that cost that people understand that give and take. But the same philosophy goes in that you have to provide your cost, cover your cost and provide value plus at a profitability so that you can be sustainable. Sustainable is the second half of the conversation. You have to do things that work now. You have to be able to Generate sales now, enter the market, gain attention, gain audience, get people to understand your your service offering, your product and value that comes along with it, whether they want to do business with you, and then if they want to do repeatable business with you. So continue to... Spend the money so to create those opportunities for you now. At some point, you'll run out of runway, something that we talk about when we invest in businesses, or spend so much money without it seeing it come back because you've got to spend money to make money. Well, that make money has to come back to you, or you run out of runway. That puts you in the big picture scenario is, have you built up your brand enough? Have you created enough business relationships? Have you created enough transactions that could be repeated because you have the right price to attract the right audience for the right reasons? Have you done things in the right way? Are you being honest up front and providing value? If you're doing those things, then spending money to make money, attract the right audience has the high potential to be successful. But if you're doing those things in the wrong way or you've put your, your have not considered your price strategy in a big picture scenario as you got started, sometimes you can paint yourself into a corner. The key to business success is having to adjust to the market conditions. Sometimes there are huge conditions like COVID-19 shutting down the entire market. Sometimes they are small things like a new competitor or an additional sales tax or a tariff on on materials that you buy or a source going out or new technology taking people's attention in different ways. Either way, whatever happens, your business is only successful if you can adjust to those things, if your strategy of pricing and value offered profitability etc was wrong from the beginning was too low in order to try to move fast or too high in order to create perceived value you might have painted your business into a corner and keep you from ultimate growth or sustainable growth so that is the conversation that you have earlier about the big picture versus the immediate how much do you do now do you take a loss do you take less Can you adjust moving to the future as you develop these things? As you create value, can you get paid for that value? These are all the conversations. These are all the elements that need to be balanced in a pricing structure. That's a lot of conversation. I hope that helps. At least get your thought process started. Understand the pieces that come with it. Look back at the notes listed with this podcast to understand how to start, where to finish, and how it goes back to the beginning again. And hopefully that's helpful. And if I can help you in any other way, understand balancing the value and the offering in your price structure, we'll be happy to do that. Thank you for listening to the Professional Balance bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast. I'll be back next month with a new topic, new podcast every Saturday with hustle and motivation advice from the office while the competition is still sleeping. Please subscribe, leave a review, and make a comment on social media about what balance issues you would like to hear discussed on this series in the future. Thank you.